Section 18 of the Counter-Reformation by Adolphus Ward. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 4. The Counter-Reformation at its Height, Part 6. Naturally, however, the regions in which the Counter-Reformation made the most rapid advances were the territories ruled by spiritual potentates. One of the first ecclesiastical magnates to exert himself in that direction was the abbot of Fulda, Balthasar Graffel, whose six predecessors in succession had allowed the Reformation to spread unhindered among their subjects. Encouraged by Pope Gregory Thirteenth, but appealing like Albert V of Bavaria to the territorial principle established by the religious peace, Abbot Balthasar summoned the Jesuits to Fulda, and expelled all the Protestant preachers, together with all the officials, clerical or lay, who refused to accept the Tridentine decrees. Within three years, 1573-76, to 76, the Catholic restoration in his territories was complete, and a long and bitter conflict, in the course of which he was expelled from his abbacy, ended with his reinstatement and the complete victory of the reaction, 1602. The Protestant clergy were likewise driven out of part of the dominions of the elector of Mainz, the so-called Eichsfeld, and Jesuits introduced in their stead, who thence found their way into the diocese of Paderborn and the much-reduced diocese of Hildesheim, 1576. In the important Westphalian bishopric of Münster, after two bishops had resigned rather than submit to the Council of Trent, the election of John of Hoya, Bishop of Osnabrück, 1566, led to the beginnings of a reaction which was arrested by protracted disputes as to his successor's rights, 1574, sequentia, but resumed after the election to the see of Duke Ernest of Bavaria in 1585. Into Würzburg the Jesuits were introduced in 1564, although the intention to connect them with the university, founded in 1567, was not carried out till at the time of its second and more enduring foundation by Bishop Julius Echter, 1587, when all the chairs of the philosophical faculty were filled by members of the society. In 1564, Dillingen, the newly founded University of Augsburg, was completely Jesuitized under Cardinal Bishop Otto Truxess, whom Pius IV had, in 1560, appointed his Legatus Alatere in Germany, and not long afterwards the Fathers found admission into the free imperial city itself. The bishops of Bamberg and Worms were likewise active in suppressing Protestant worship, and in 1570 the Jesuits entered the electorate of Treves. Thus, in nearly all the lands of the Crozier, the further reaction of the following reign was prepared under the lax rule of Maximilian II. All these endeavors glaringly contravened the declaration made by Ferdinand I at the religious peace of Augsburg that there was no desire on the part of the Catholic princes to force their creed upon their Protestant subjects. At the Diet which met in 1575 to elect Maximilian's eldest son, Roman King, there was, however, a palpable disunion between Lutherans and Calvinists, and the Emperor, keenly alive to the dangers threatening his authority from the increase of the territorial power of the princes, 
by the secularizations, was able to resist the demands of the more active of the Protestants. In his last message to the Diet he declared himself to be of no party, but the conditions of the religious conflict were now complicated with foreign alliances and their interests, and thus the germs of the great war which swallowed up into it all the wars of Europe are already visible during the reign of an emperor whose heart, be it said to his honor, was from first to last for peace. Rudolf II, 1576-1612, who succeeded on the Bohemian and Hungarian as well as on the imperial throne, had not occupied them long before it became apparent that beneath his silent and solitary ways lay concealed a deep religious bigotry which had been fostered by his early Spanish training. Almost from the outset of his reign, 1577, he resided continuously at Prague, while the government of Austria was left in the hands of his brother Ernest, who had been brought up with him in Spain till the Archduke's death in 1595. For the time, no attempt was made to touch the privilege of the Austrian nobility of determining for themselves the form of faith they would allow on their own estates. But a strict Catholic uniformity was enforced on the towns, with the result of provoking serious resistance at both Vienna and Linz. In 1578, all persons the orthodoxy of whose religious opinions was doubtful were dismissed from the service of the court. In Styria, Archduke Charles, 1564-90, the husband of Maria, sister of Duke Albert V of Bavaria, in his latter years followed suit, instituting a kind of Catholic visitation throughout his duchy and admitting into it a papal nuncio and active sympathizers from Bavaria. But it was not till the actual accession to power in 1596 of his son Ferdinand, whom his pious mother would fain have seen a Capuchin friar or a Jesuit father, that religious persecution seems to have begun. Rudolf's own attempts at a counter-reformation in Bohemia opened in 1581 with the royal ordinance exiling all the Bohemian brethren from the realm. The Bohemian nobles were not yet accustomed to receive much less to obey commands from their king, and the ordinance remained a dead letter for a full generation till 1602. The inflictions of Turkish invasion and occupation did not save Hungary from the brutal bigotry of Rudolf, although they deferred its active operations till a comparatively late period of his reign. Meanwhile in the empire at large, the conflict grew more and more acute. Nor was it only in the prelatical regions of the Bavarian circle that the Protestants were subjected to a process of extrusion. Unusual interest was excited at the Diet, when the Protestant population of historic Aachen defied not only its orthodox town council, but the very imperial army of execution, 1581-82. The religious agitation extended along the Rhine, and communicated itself to two cities so different in the character of their religious history as Cologne and Strasbourg. In the eyes of pious Catholics, no graver scandal had ever been brought upon the Church than that arising out of the conduct of Gebhardt II of waldburg truchsess Elector and Archbishop of Cologne, 1577-83. Resolved both to marry his mistress 
and to Protestantize his electorate, he issued an edict in January of 1583, granting to his subjects freedom of religious worship, and accomplished the marriage in February. Soon afterwards, in April, he was deposed by a papal bull, and the Catholic majority of the chapter elected his former coadjutor, Ernest of Bavaria, Bishop of Lutich, Liege, Archbishop in his stead. Very widespread consequences might have followed as Ernest was supported by Spanish as well as Bavarian troops, while Henry of Navarre sought to utilize the situation for a Protestant combination. But the Lutheran princes refused to take part in the struggle which ensued, and which did not end till 1589, when Gebhardt threw up the game. He now retired to Strasbourg, where he was dean. Here the chapter was so hopelessly divided that on a vacancy in the bishopric in 1592, a schism took place, the Catholic and the Protestant party each choosing a bishop. After a contest of several years, the Catholic bishop, Cardinal of Lorraine, retained the see, and his Protestant rival was compensated in money. As the reign of Rudolf II wore on, it seemed for a time as if the Protestant interest would oppose a more united front to the advance of the Catholic reaction. The successor of Augustus of Saxony, Christian I, 1586-91, was either inclined to Calvinism, or at least he and his Chancellor Krell as Philippists objected to the rigor of the Formula Concordiae. But the union between Saxony and the Palatinate where John Casimir, the ally and comrade-in-arms of the Huguenots, held sway as regent during the earlier years of Frederick IV, 1583-1610, to 1610, was a mere daydream. In 1591, Christian I died amidst a storm of religious excitement, provoked by his abolition of the exorcistic formula in baptism, to which the great body of his subjects passionately clung, the guardians of his youthful son and successor, Christian II, 1591-1611, proceeded by means of a visitation to uproot Calvinism and crypto-Calvinism in the electorate, and Carell suffered death. While the two main divisions of Protestantism thus went farther asunder than ever, the Catholic propaganda continued with unabating zeal. In 1590, the Church of Rome made her first convert among reigning Lutheran princes in the person of Margrave James III of Baden-Hofberg, through the exertions of Pistorius, himself a convert, and afterwards court preacher to Rudolf II. The joy was great at Rome when Pope Sixtus V went on foot to and from the Te Deum at Santa Maria de Tedeschi. As a rule, wherever in this period the Counter-Reformation was at work, the Jesuits were in the van, more especially at the courts and in the sphere of higher education. On the other hand, Rome was during this period not rich in representatives of eminence in popular German polemics, where the barefooted Franciscan Nassus, Nas, whose chief works were produced about 1570, could hardly be reckoned the equal of the Protestant Fischart. The Jesuit organization, which in three provinces, Austria, Upper Germany, and the Rhine, covered nearly the whole of the south and west of the empire, was likewise strong on its southwestern and northeastern frontiers. 
In 1574, the religious autonomy possessed by the several Swiss cantons enabled the Jesuits to find a welcome at Lucerne, and soon afterwards they reached Freiburg. But the most important Catholic achievement in Switzerland during this period was the conclusion in 1586 of the Golden or Borromean League between the ancient cantons together with Solothurn and Freiburg, logically followed in the same year by an alliance between these confederates and Spain. The author of the League was the illustrious Archbishop of Milan, who not only established a Collegium Helveticum in his cathedral city for the reconversion of Switzerland, but himself labored actively for the same purpose in the northern districts of his province, which were subject to Swiss cantonal authority. One of the truest representatives of the Counter-Reformation, he consistently combined the persecution of heretics with endeavors at Catholic reform. Inasmuch as the Protestant cantons about the same time united more closely together, especially in view of the danger threatening Geneva from Savoy, the Golden League might have brought about an enduring conflict in the Confederation of which the Mühlhausen Troubles, 1587, would have been a mere foretaste, had not the failure of the schemes of Philip II in France and elsewhere gradually inclined the Catholic as well as the Protestant interest in Switzerland to lean upon France, so that the Confederation was included in the Peace of Vervins, 1598. In Poland, where the Jesuits were gradually introduced in the later years of the last representative of the male Jagalon line, Sigismund Augustus, 1548-72, they made but little progress during his reign. Before their arrival, the Reformation had on the whole steadily advanced, notwithstanding the efforts to the contrary of the Catholic clergy assisted by the Queen Mother, Bona Sforza, who died in 1558. While Lutheranism had spread in the towns chiefly inhabited by German settlers, the doctrines of Zwingli and Calvin gained more ground among the nobles, among whom anti-Trinitarian speculations also largely found admission. After the decrees of the ecclesiastical courts had been deprived of civil effect, 1552, full liberty of religious worship was granted to the nobility by another vote of the Diet in 1556. While in Poland the cry arose for a national synod, which it was hoped would result in the organization, perhaps under the experienced guidance of the reform Alaski, John Alasco, of a national Polish church, Sigismund Augustus proffered to the Pope demands for concessions similar to those so long urged at Trent by the French and imperial governments. The decrees of the council itself, as has been seen, were never accepted by the Diet, and in defiance of the labors of Archbishop Hosius, Protestantism continued to flourish in a great variety of forms, Reformed, Helvetian, Bohemian, Waldensian, and Lutheran. In 1570, the Synod of Sandomir at last established that union between the Protestant churches which had alone seemed wanting for the victory of their cause, but those holding anti-Trinitarian doctrines were excluded from the consensus. It was then into so unpromising a field that, after a visit of inquiry by Canisius in 1558, Lyonnais, at the request of Hosius, sent a mission of Jesuit fathers who established themselves at Brownsberg, 
and thence, though not favoured by the king, spread over the country at large. On the death of Sigismund Augustus, Henry of Anjou was, after a complicated struggle, elected his successor. The Catholic interest having been at last thrown on his side, largely under the influence of the news of the massacre of St. Bartholomew. The Protestants having by the Confederation adopted by the Diet of Warsaw, January 1573, secured the principle of the religious equality of all Christian confessions, forced the king before his coronation to swear to maintain the religious liberties of the land. But Henry's word was as water, and during his brief sojourn in Poland, the prospects of Rome brightened. After his shameful escape to his new throne in France in 1574, another struggle ended in the election of Stephen Batory, who married the late king's sister, Anna. Like Henry of Navarre, Stephen, in order to secure the crown, allowed himself to be persuaded to profess the Roman faith, though he unhesitatingly confirmed and steadily maintained all the liberties of the Protestant confessions. But with the aid of his consort, the Jesuits insinuated themselves into his favor, and during his reign, 1576-86, the influence of their order was firmly established in Poland. Their colleges and schools spread over the country, and the king himself set up the central seat of their teaching, the University of Vilna, among a population of which the majority belonged to the Protestant or Greek churches, while at the University of Krakow, which he opened to all confessions, they contrived to neutralize this liberality. Over the newly created elective judicial tribunals, which were to administer justice to clergy and laity alike, they are likewise said to have established a dominant influence. Stephen Battery was conscientiously averse to religious persecution, but more especially under the influence of the Jesuit Posavino, he allowed the Church of Rome to gain a vantage ground even in holy Protestant Livonia, where Jesuit colleges were established at Dorpat and Riga. He even allowed the same influence to affect his foreign policy and to arrest him in his victorious career against Muscovy by the Treaty of Peace negotiated by Posavino in 1582. At the election consequent on Battery's death, the Protestants, by their disunion, missed a last opportunity. The Lutherans, in accordance with the intolerant spirit of the age, had already, in an early year of his reign, 1578, declared against the union of Sandomir. Purely political considerations led to the election of Sigismund III, son of John of Sweden, who reigned over Poland for 45 years, from 1587 to 1632. Guided by the Jesuits, he pursued a consistent policy against Protestantism, seeking to obtain by corruption what he dared not accomplish by force. The Catholic clergy were encouraged to bring actions at law for the recovery of church property, and where possible the Catholic worship was restored in edifices which had been appropriated by Protestants. But what was especially characteristic of the reaction in Poland was its worst feature— the mob was repeatedly incited to acts of violence against the Protestants, and prominent among the most infuriated of the fanatics who shared in these manifestations of bigotry and barbarism were the students of Krakow, 
the pupils of the Jesuits. The Protestants made more than one attempt by themselves, 1595, or in combination with the adherents of the Greek Church, 1599, to oppose to these proceedings a unity of their own in which would have lain their best defense. The enlightenment of the country, even among Catholics, such as the patriotic Zamoyski, who died in 1605, was on the side of religious liberty, but its partisans contented themselves with protesting. Thus a new generation grew up, largely so far as the upper classes were concerned, trained by Jesuits. Sigismund III, who had formerly lost his Swedish crown for the sake of his faith, in his later years ranged himself in his Polish kingdom against Sweden on the Catholic side in the great European struggle. Poland no longer knew how to control her own destinies. The Counter-Reformation had begun the extinction of a nation. End of Section 18